This is my new book. So we don't have it in the, in the bookstore yet because we had to send, we, we had to redo it. They left a paragraph out of it. So, so Amazon kind of messed up. But you can go online. But let me talk to you for a minute about why I, I'm doing what I do. I'm not a children's pastor, but I'm a father. And I'm a parent. I wrote these books for you to read them to your children and your grandchildren. Um, children are, are enamored by pictures. They like pictures. They like books. They like nice, neat pictures. So this one is called The Farmer and His Pig. And the story is about a farmer who wanted to win with the biggest sheep at the county fair. So he, and he never won. He never won. Every year he'd take a big sheep and he wouldn't win. So he got the bright idea to take his pig, which was quite large, and put cotton all over him and took him to the county fair. Well, you know what happened. He got to the fair and the sheep got off the leash and headed to the mud. And it wasn't long that everybody at the fair realized this farmer's a fraud. And he was, and they're, they're giving him a hard time over trying to deceive them. And so he grabs his little fat pig and he's headed home. When he drives by a tent at the fair where there's a move of God, a revival going on. And he had just been disappointed, so he goes in. Well, he listens to the preacher um, who happens to give him a book called If Any Man. Anyway, he listened to the preacher. People were running aisles and jumping pews and hollering and shouting. And he, get, he preaches and, and, then, and he goes forward and gets born again. Now, at the end of the book, he's driving down the road and he says this. He said, after the revival was over, he made, he made and talked to many new friends. He got in his old truck. In order to drive home, he drove away and he looked in the back of the truck where the pig was now sleeping and he laughed and said, I can't turn a pig into a sheep, but God can sure turn a sinner into a saint. Okay, now I, told, I just read the whole book to you. Now you still have to buy it. Why am I telling you this? You have to have a way of sitting with your child. And talking to him about Christian is not a person who just cleans up. You can't just because you go to church, just because you wear nice, nice clothes or you call yourself a Christian doesn't make you one. A pig is not a sheep because he looks like one. And so it's, it's just nothing more than a way to get in a conversation with your child. And then in the revival, he, he, he hears the gospel and he gets saved. You know, you, you can get every kid in your family born again reading a book. Our boys were all saved, filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues when they were two years old. You say, well, they aren't old enough to understand. Oh, you better believe they do. At two year old, they are smart. They're just because they're little. That all of that adult power is in a little tiny body. And they are. They're smart. Smart as whips. Anyway, so, so there's no reason for them to grow up, mess their whole lives up, and then you start trying to pray them back. Yeah. Why don't you just start off 
when they're two years old, get them by the bed, get them born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, get them on fire for God and reading good books. Amen. So anyway, my other one is out there someplace, the the little creature, we won't debut it right now. But this one you can go on Amazon, but soon we'll have some in the bookstore. And when you do, I expect everybody to buy two or three or four or five of them. Now, I'm not doing this to make money. Honey, there ain't no, I got $7,000 in just the artwork. If I'm doing it for money, then I'm nuts. In two books, I have $14,000 of my money tied up. I'm certainly not doing this because your dollar is going to put me over. I'm doing this because kids need Jesus. And sometimes you can give one to your relative who doesn't come to church and they'll read it to their kids and their kids will get saved. So you need to reach out any way that you can to kids. Minister to them any way you can. Amen. Are y'all ready for the word? Get your Bible and go to Revelation chapter 12. I guess, I don't know whether they did this. Adam 2.0. That's a weird title. I have to have weird stuff somewhere. Does anybody know what 2.0 means? That means they knew and improved. They had tied, knew and improved. The next year they had tied, knew and improved. The next year they have tied, knew and improved. When I was growing up, all they had knew and improved. It's the same stuff, just different bottle. But anyway, this one's different. So there is actually two races in the earth. But let me, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Go to Revelation chapter 12. And it is the, the last day of the year, and everybody is praying about what's coming next year. And if you are honest, you have concerns. Is anybody looking at America and going, what? In the world? Yeah. Yeah. And you were hoping you'd be raptured by now. But you are not. I had a lady one time, she was not living right, and someone told her at church the rapture had taken place, and she called me on the phone. She says, Daryl? I said, yes. She goes, praise God you're here. (laughs) Don't live like that. You you, you be ready to go. Amen. (laughs) Revelation chapter 12, we're going to talk just for a moment here about the last, the days we're living in. Let me... um, Let's just start with verse 1. Now, there appeared in heaven a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and her head a garland of 12 stars. And being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, seven diadems on his heads. And his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, now this is the story of Jesus. So the book of Revelation doesn't just contain future events. This is actually talking about a past event. And she bore a male child who was to rule the nations. That is Jesus, that's not the Antichrist, with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she was prepared by God that they would feed her there 1,260 days. Don't ask me what all that means. I don't know. (laughs) Verse 7, war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. 
And they did not prevail, nor was there a found, place found for them in heaven any longer. And the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. And he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now you're thinking, that's not good. No, it's not. The devil is down here, in case you didn't know it. And, and, and I heard a loud voice said, now salvation, strength, and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Now, I'm going to stop right there. What in the world is going on? There is a devil loose. If you don't know it, now I want you to think a little bit beyond when, you know, when, you're, when you're listening to the news and you hear about Hamas and, you know, well, the Palestinians versus the Jews and, the, and then these people being, no, you have a devil on the loose. And then you got Hezbollah. You have a devil on the loose. Then you've got problems with China. You have a devil on the loose. Then you have problems in our government. Now listen to me, and don't, don't throw anything at me. Quit waiting on the politicians to fix it. They are the reason that it's screwed up. Amen. You don't have a politician that can and fix the mess he made. You're, you're going to have to pray him out. Anyway, we'll get into that in a minute. I'm, not, I'm, I'm actually going to give you some hope here. That's kind of why you're here today, so you can look at the next year and go, next year is going to be better. Amen. Amen. Now, how is it going to happen? Well, quit waiting on some Messiah to come. The Messiah came. Messiah came. My faith is in Jesus. And listen, do I want politicians back in office? Yeah, you do. You want good ones in office. But if a bad one's in there, I'm not going to fall apart because Jesus is still on the throne. Okay, are y'all out there? You go on. Their God is still God. All right, now let me, let me read the rest of this because right now the world is in such a mess that most people are looking up and going, what the heck? I mean, it is past any single person fixing it. Now, if you think that someone's not going to try, you're deceived because that is what is going to open the door to Antichrist. Now, let me explain to you what's going to happen here. The war that's in Israel now will turn in to the Ezekiel 38 war. That means Damascus will be blown slap off the map. And Hezbollah is, is, and Russia and Iran are going to come down against Israel. And, and the, Israeli, the Israelis, God is going to fight with them and for, just like he's doing right now. But see, Satan wants, does not want Messiah to return. And you need to know that. That's, that's the root of what's happening there. Okay. All of, this, all of this is happening around us. We're watching all of this happen in the world that we're living in. And people are sitting around going, well, well what, what gives? Well, 
the Jews are going to get so tired of war. They're, the Jewish people don't read their Bible. You think, oh my God, if I lived in it. No, there is sec- Tel Aviv is, is Sodom and Gomorrah. They're as immoral as New York. Just because they're Jews doesn't mean they're holy. The, the Jewish people, and, and I, while we were there, the Jews, some of the Jews looked at us and said, we don't even know why people hate us. They don't. They have no idea why everybody in the world hates their guts. But it's the devil. Because he doesn't want Messiah to return. And he's trying to stop it like he did the first time he came and not able to do so. So you understand, we're living in this time and you're praying for the rapture. Well, good luck. (laughs) Amen. Come Lord Jesus, come back Jesus, come back today, glory to God, Jesus is Lord. Okay, this is going to set up the world for a man of peace, but it isn't going to be peace. Anytime you give your freedom to someone else, they will become a dictator. Now, you you understand there ain't no such thing as socialism. It's never worked anywhere on the planet. Why did you think it would work here? It ain't going to work. All right. So, so this is going to set up for the Antichrist, which is going to step into Israel and make a peace treaty between the Arabs, what's left of them, and the Jews, and probably a two-state solution. And when that happens, start counting. That is the first day of the last seven years. And it's close. All right. Now that I've got y'all thinking like, whoa, baby, to be continued. We're not doing an end times thing today. (laughs) Having said what I just said, I want you to look at verse 11. And they overcame him. Who is they? That's right, us. Now listen to me. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not stand against it. Satan has one group of people he is terrified of, and that is you. As long as you are here, as long as you are using the name, as long as you are walking on this planet, as long as you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth, as long as the church is here, he is not going to be able to pull off all he wants to do. So the Bible says there's one, the devil has come down, he has great wrath, and then it says, and they, say me, overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Now, what I'm going to do is today is we're going to talk about three things you have to know as you enter this next year. You've got to answer three questions. Are you ready? Number one, go to Matthew 16. While you're at it, go to Matthew 16. Yes. I'm going to get fired up here in a minute. Y'all can get with me. If you hadn't figured it out now, this is a wild church. 
and the devil already got your name when you came through the door. They have entered that church. There are not too many churches bother the devil. But this one is the only one in town. He does not sit on our board. <laughs> let me just read Matthew 16, 13. Um, yeah, let me do that. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say I, the son of man, am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said, who do you say I am? Number one question you have to ask this year, do you know who he is? You see, there, there is a group of people on the earth that Satan's feared. And it's not people who don't know Jesus. If you don't know the Lord, you are, someone said, I have friends and the devil never bothers them. That's because they're Satan's kids. If you have trouble, it's probably because you're saved. He is not harassing anybody that's not a threat. Have you had trouble with the devil lately? Say, praise God, I must be born again. All right, that's good. That's good. Now, number one, number one, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? Now, let me ask you a question. Right now in the earth today, there's a lot of people don't know who he is. We just got through going through um, the Easter where we talked about the incarnation of God. But, you know, you talk about Jesus around the average person. They they don't know anything about Jesus. They don't know anything about him. I mean, if you knew who he was, you'd be on your face. If you're not serving him, you don't know him. If you're not enamored with him, you don't know him. If you're not in love with his book, you don't know him. So he asked his disciples because you have to understand that when Jesus walked, he looked just like a Jew. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't look like he stepped out of GQ magazine. He didn't have this, you so handsome, you must be the Messiah. No, it says he had no form or comeliness that, I mean, not any of the girls in Nazareth were going, woo-woo, when Jesus walked by. Nor Samson. Samson, a 158-pound skinny arm dude. He hadn't been to Gold's Gym. He just had the Holy Ghost on him. I think one day we need to write a, do a movie of the real Samson. And, when, and I, want to, I want to find someone to play his part, to step out and go, Hi, I'm Samson. <laughs> and I will take you out. Well, we always go get some bodybuilder to play Samson. It was the Holy Ghost. I'm going to read to you who Jesus is. In Genesis, Jesus is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. 
In Leviticus, he is our high priest. In Numbers, he's the pillar of, of by day and pillar by night. Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like Moses. In Joshua, he's the commander of the army. In Judges, he's a judge and a lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. First and Second Samuel, he's the seed of David. In First Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of everything broken. In Esther, he's, he is our Mordecai and our advocate. In Job, he's our redeemer. In Psalms, he's our shepherd. In Proverbs, He's our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's the meaning of life. In the Song of Solomon, he is the loving bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's a weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the glorious Lord. And then he is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is David's rock. He is the fourth man in the fire in the Old Testament. He is the He is our King of King and Lord of Lord. He is Almighty God. He is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Glory to God. He is almighty God incarnate walking the planet. Now, you know, you just stop and think about it. These guys are running around with a guy named Jesus and it just dawned on them. You are Messiah. You are God in flesh. That's pretty strong. That's heavy. The people that ran around with Jesus, they would come along and say, wait a minute, you go out there in the, in, the, in the Sea of Galilee and a storm comes up and you make it mind. Who are you? And he goes, think about it. Well, there's a dead guy coming through town and he stops the coffin and he re- prayed, reads over there and he said, son, your mother has need of you. And he raises him from the dead and the Pharisees said, who are you? And he goes, you might want to think about that a while. Amen. And then he gets invited to a wedding and they run out of wine and he goes, oh, just fill the water pots up with water and then give it to the governor and it becomes wine as they're sitting there. And then one day he gets a crowd of people, 5,000 men, God knows how many kids and women. And he takes one boy's McDonald's lunch and feeds everybody. And they came along and said, who are you? What kind of numb nut are you to ask a question? Who are you? He walks on water, cast out devils, raise the dead, heal the sick, dies on the cross, whips death, hell in the grave, and comes back, and you want to know who he is. There ain't nobody been like him ever. But before you go into this next year, you're going to have to answer a question. Who is Jesus? Is he Lord? Is he king? Is his word true? It absolutely is. To the degree you revere the Bible, you revere God. We take the things of God today lightly. He is king. And when he returns, he's not coming back as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion and he is going to roar. Anyway. First question you're going to have to ask, and everybody's going to have to answer on this side of heaven, is who is Jesus Christ? No matter what denomination you are, no matter what church you grew up in, there's only one question. What did you do with Jesus? Did you ignore him? Did you blow him off? 
not good. Because one day we're all going to stand before him and your mother will not be there. Nor will I. You get to go there all by yourself. Anyway, I could go on and on and on and on. On and on. On and on and on. Amen. So the next question, let go back to Matthew 16. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah. Now notice that's his name, Simon, son of Jonah. That's his name, right? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And I say to you, you are Peter. Wait a minute. Until you know who he is, you will never know who you are. Question number two in 2024, do you know who you are? Because most people don't. Most Christians, most people on the earth, their identity comes from what they do or from their gender or from their ethnicity. I'm Italian, I'm Puerto Rican, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a plumber. That's not who you are, that's what you do. The only person in the universe that has a right to tell you who you are is Jesus. If you don't know what he says about you, you don't know who you are. Now, why am I going down this road? Because the church right now, you're going to hear this in the last days. We're waiting on the Lord. He's, listen to me, you've been waiting on God for years. Why would he show up this year? Are you waiting on him or is he waiting on you? That's a good question. That's a good question. This year, God is not going to wait on me. I'm going to hit the ground running. The third thing you have to know is why am I here? Who is he? Who am I? And why am I here? You have to know in the days you're living in, the people who are going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony are people who know who He is, they know who they are, and they know why they're here. I will build my church. What has He been doing for 2,000 years? Building His church. And He's not done yet. But before, we, before you get out of here, all you people looking for the rapture, you're not leaving until he finishes his job. And he has work to do in you yet. All right, now let's move, let's move on here because I'm, I'm just now getting cranked up. Who do men say I am? Okay, never mind. Got that. You're the Christ. Simon Barjone, flesh and blood. You are Peter. That means pebble or rock. 
and on this boulder, I will build my church. What boulder? The confession of who Jesus is. That is the confession that you have to have for God to do anything in you. Jesus is Lord. I'm going to throw something at you right now. Don't, Don't duck and hide. Without repentance, there is no such thing as forgiveness of sin. You did not get a go, don't go to hell card. Jesus is Lord, or you're in a heap of trouble. You got to answer these questions. And I'm going to give the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And he commanded disciples not to tell anybody who he was. Now go to Isaiah 61. Go to Isaiah 61. I'm just getting cranked up. It takes me a while to get this airplane up in the air. When Jesus grew up in Nazareth, nobody knew who he was. I mean, they don't, I mean, he didn't run around with a sign that says Messiah. But there came a day when he went down and John the Baptist baptized him. Spirit of God came on him and he went back home to his local church. And he walked up in the front and he asked for a scroll. Do you know what he's doing? He's going to read a scripture out of the scroll. What's he going to read? He's going to tell them who I am. Where did he find who he was? Do you think that this big angel came one night and sat down and said, okay, little Jesus, just sit right here. I've been come to school you to let you know who you are. No. No. He got, I'm going to say the word Bible. You understand the word Bible means book. And he didn't have a New Testament. He did not have an Old Testament. He had scrolls. But all Jewish children had to learn the first five books of the Bible and to be able to quote them by the time they were 12 years old. That's why Jesus was in the temple with the the rabbis and, and instructing them in the word. So he comes to his own church, opens up his Bible, the Bible, and says, I'm going to read to you who I am. Let me make a statement to you. If Jesus had to find out who he is, did you ever think about the fact that maybe you ought to find out who you are? And he is not who they said he was. He's not who Mary said he was. He's not who Joseph said he was. He is who God said he was. You are who God says you are. And if you don't know what God says, well, then you might want to find out before you enter the next year, because it is the key to victory. He got up and read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to open the prison to those that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God and comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they will be called trees of righteousness, that would be us, the planting of the Lord, that he, God, would be glorified. We, We spent two weeks, three weeks on trees of righteousness. That's you. 
He said, I have come, I have come to preach good news to you, and I have come to change the world you live in as you know it. Now, y'all know your Bible well enough to know what happened after that. They rejected him in his own hometown. Well, this is Joseph's little boy. And they ran him out. And he went to Capernaum, and he said, you're going to say to me this proverb, do here what you did in Capernaum. And he went out, and he started casting out devils, raising the dead, healing sick, and, 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 and turning McDonald's hamburger lunches into meals for 5,000 people. And it became obvious who he was. But he found out who he was from the Word of God. Now, number one, I said, you've got to find out who he is. And the next thing is, you've got to find out who you are. So, so, go with me now to Romans chapter 5. The Bible is about two men. That may shock you. The Bible that you're reading in your hand is about Adam 1.0 and Adam 2.0. The first group of people was a failure. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Adam, all die. We don't have a race problem. We don't have a skin problem in America. We have a sin problem. If you're an Adam, you're a heathen. I don't care what color you are. Or what gender you are. Or what nationality you are. But if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You're the righteousness of God. You're blessed coming in and blessed going out. And you are a son of God and a child of Almighty God. And I don't care what gender you are. The world... Don't ask the world for advice. They don't know who they are. Don't ask a blind man to help you anywhere. That would be ABC, CBN, and NBC. If you want stupid, turn on the television. Now, this is powerful right here. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world. Say Adam. Adam. And death through sin. What death is he referring to? He's not talking about physical death here. He's talking about spiritual death. In the book of Ephesians, it says that you were dead in trespasses and sins. Were you physically dead or were you spiritually dead? Which dead were you? Jesus did not come to conquer physical death. He came to conquer spiritual death. And spiritual dead people are people who have sinned. And when you sin, your spirit is separated from God like it happened in Adam. So I have good news for you. You say, my life is hell on earth and it ain't my fault. You're right. It's Adam's. Your great, 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 great grandfather handed you all the hell you're going through. And it's in the earth. All right. Y'all are listening so good, it's time to go on. Just as through one man, Adam, sin entered the world in the garden. When Eve ate him out of house and home. And death through sin, thus death 
spread to all men. All men. All people outside of Jesus are messed up. Someone says, I came from a dysfunctional family. Everybody came from a dysfunctional family. Wake up and smell the coffee, baby. Everybody in here could tell stories of growing up in your family. And we don't want to hear it because it's just a bunch of nuts. You have all kind of goofy stuff that you grew up just like the rest of us did. If you knew what I grew up around. None if you knew what I grew up around. An alcoholic military father that didn't come home and a mother and growing up broke and had no, I don't know nothing about no white privilege, baby. I never had no white privilege. I remembered every day at lunch, if I didn't eat off of your plate, I didn't eat lunch at all. Man, that ain't no white privilege about that. I was, I grew, my mother would get up in the morning to make breakfast. It'd be one piece of white toast with cheese on it. That would be breakfast. And that means that's the last thing I ate until I got home. I don't know nothing about no privilege. I grew up hungry. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? You know why we had to make our own toys? Hey, nobody could afford no toys. You know how we stayed out at night and played in the, in the, till, the, till the street lights came on? Because there wasn't anything else to do. There was nothing on TV. Gun smoke as the stomach turns. Come on. Death spread to all men because all sin. And until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there was no law. God didn't impute sin all the way from Adam all the way to Moses. Well, Moses had, there was no law. Aren't you glad that God is a merciful God? He's a good God. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. It didn't matter whether you, it didn't matter whether you were good, bad, or ugly. Death reigned. Death, sickness, poverty, killing, murder, reigning in the earth because everybody was messed up. Now think about the flood. Eight people saved. Eight good people after almost 1,500 years of humanity, probably millions, probably billions of people on the earth. Noah's Ark said that 58 billion people were on the earth at the flood. (laughs) That's a lot of stinking people. Well, you have to understand, they didn't have birth control. They haven't been invented yet. And then men just kind of got everybody pregnant that they wanted to. That's the reason why God judged it when, hey, you got to go down there and clean that mess up. I think I'm married to you this week. Never mind. Never mind. So the world was a mess. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even those who had not sinned, according to the likeness and the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Who would that be? Say Jesus. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if the one man Adam's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounds to many. 
Now, what we're about to read right here is because the first group was messed up. The whole thing was messed up. I mean, all in, all had sinned. All of them were worthy of death. All of them. And so God had to start a brand new race of humanity. A new race. Jesus is the head of a new family. Say Jesus or Adam 2.0. He messed up the first one, so this time he's going to do it right. Now, that's what we talked about last Sunday at Christmas when, when, when God became a man and walked the earth. What he was doing, he wasn't just getting you to heaven when you die so you can have a mansion. He's creating a brand new race of humanity. Now, I'm going to get way ahead of myself. And until you know who you are, you are not who your mother said you are. You are not who the school, you didn't come from the goo through the zoo. That might have been the old you, but the new you, God is your daddy. Jesus is your brother. I'm fixing to get, I'm fixing to get cranked up here. Just let me do it. Verse 15, the free gift is not like the offense. By one man, Adam's offense, many people died. Much more, the grace of God, the gift of grace, one man, Jesus Christ, abounded many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one Adam who sinned for judgment, which came upon one Adam. Offense resulted in damnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification or righteousness. For if by one man's offense, Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through one Jesus Christ. All right, now wait a minute. Now I'm going to make a statement here, and y'all got to, y'all have to, you must pay attention. You're not becoming a good person. You are. When God made you, He made you complete. He made you. I'm going to read some scriptures to you in a minute. It's going to blow your mind. He already made you perfect. Now, you men can go home after this sermon and look at your wife and say, I told you I was perfect. And she will not be able to argue with you anymore. And then she will look at you and say, and remember, you married a perfect woman. Wow. Y'all all fired up now. Verse 18, therefore, as many as one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in damnation. Even so, one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. Say all men. Resulting in justification of life. For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So one man's obedience, many would be made righteous. Say, I am righteous. Go to the book of Hebrews. Chapter 2. I have a point that I'm making. I just had not got to it yet. 
2.10. It was fitting for him for whom all things and by whom all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Say, I am a son of God. Now listen to me. He, Jesus looked at Peter and said, you are Peter. Now listen to me. When Jesus tells you who you are, that's who you are. When God says that you are now a son, you are a son. The year ahead, you must approach it as a son of God. Not becoming. You're not working on you. He already finished you. You're fighting your battles from victory. Now, now don't, don't go over there, but remember in Rome, in Revelation, they overcame him by what? Say the blood. The blood. What did the blood do? It made you as righteous as God. Now, do you feel righteous? I don't. I don't even feel saved. I don't feel healed. I don't feel righteous. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel accepted. I don't feel liked. I don't feel God in me. I don't feel much of nothing. And you thought you were the only one. Do you think that Jesus jumped up and went, I feel like God? No, he did not. The only way he knew who he was was a Bible. I mean, he's reading Isaiah and going, I'm thinking that's me. I want you to say, I think that's me. Without a Bible, you'll never know who you are. But with one, say, I am an overcomer. Now, do you know why you don't feel like it? Because you don't say it. I'm getting ahead of myself. You are a son of God. Now, let me, let me, let me, let me John 14, go to John 14. Are y'all okay if we take, we've got communion in a minute and I'm going to go a hair over. You need this. Verse 12, surely I say to you, he who believes in me, say me, the works I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. Listen to me, listen to me. God's whole point of the church was to make little Jesuses. You are a little Jesus, and you are too. How dare you think so highly of yourself? How dare you not? The problem with the church is you still think after Adam 1.0. 
and you were taught to think that way. And that's why you've never stepped in to who you are. That's good preaching. Do you think that when Jesus walked the earth, the economy bothered him? Do you think Herod intimidated him? I don't think anything intimidated him. There's a storm came up and he goes, we're perishing. He goes, wind, shut up. And they went, who are you? And he, when he said, I'd like to have been there when he said, and when I get finished, you're going to be doing this. He didn't do those things to impress us. He did them to show you how to act. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is to teach you how to be Jesus 2.0 or Adam 2.0. That is the point of it. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Say, I'm brand new. All the old is gone. Everything is brand new. Now, now let me, let me I'm going to get ahead. I'm, I got it. Now I got it. Now we got to talk about the Bible is never going to be real to you until you open up and find out in it who you are and say it. If, I like something Mark Hankins said. If your faith can't move your mouth, it certainly can't move your mountain. Jesus went to his own church and stood up and said, here's me. Now you stand up in most churches of the day and say, I would like to open up a Bible and show you who I am in the book. They wouldn't kick you out. Who do you think you are? Well, I went over there to that Word of Life church, and he told me that I'm in the Bible. And they, well, you, well, that guy's crazy. Well, I might be. But I'm crazy good like Jesus. All right, okay. I have confessions I make. I am loved. I am reconciled to God. I am redeemed. I am justified. I am righteous. I am more than a conqueror. I am blameless. I am white as snow. I have peace with God. I am a new creation. I'm the body of Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm the temple of God. I am complete. I am his handiwork. I am his work. Listen, he didn't start a good work in me. He did in my, in my soul. But in me, listen to me, you're not fighting from your soul. You're, you've got to go back. This is who I am. You wake up in the morning and right out of the bed, you've got a devil going, nah, what are you going to do today? Well, first of all, I'm fixing to stomp your head and jump out of bed and go, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I am blessed coming in and I am blessed going out. And Abraham's blessings are mine. And I've got authority over all the work of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm me. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. And hallelujah, Abraham, glory to God, Jesus is Lord. Yeah. 
Now, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you think would happen if you actually started acting like the Bible was true? Yes. You see, it's not true to you because you don't act like it's true. It doesn't become true and then you act like it. You act like it and then it becomes true. John Wesley told his guys, he said, preach the Bible till you believe it and then preach it because you believe it. Never mind, I'm going to come over here. If you don't believe what you're saying in the Bible, well, say it until you believe it and then say it because you believe it. Well, how do I know the difference? Well, you'll know because you'll go, glory to God. That's true. Jesus is Lord. Oh boy, I got I got some. I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna slow down here. When when I first got born again, I started reading scriptures in the Bible, and I didn't believe what I was reading. Uh, this is a scripture. He delivered me from the power of darkness and placed me the kingdom. And I went, I've not been delivered from the devil. I have trouble with him all the time. What's going on in my soul? I'm arguing with the Bible. It wasn't until I opened my mouth and went, I'm delivered from the power of darkness. That scripture didn't become real until I said it. When does it become real? When you act on it. Think about that for a minute. I I, I want to tell you a story. I got all kind of time. Y'all don't. I do. Have you ever had scriptures that you thought you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you and and God didn't didn't appear to be paying any attention to you? And you prayed some more and prayed some more and prayed some more for that scripture to become true and nothing happened. I have. One year I was praying about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and they, when I was younger, they operated through me somewhat. But then all of a sudden, they just quit operating through me. Tongues, interpretation, prophesy, and word of knowledge, word of wisdom, just the gifts waned. So I went to God, and I began to ask God, what happened to the gifts? Where, what happened to the gifts? Where are the gifts? You know what he said? Nothing. He ignores ignorant people. What am I doing? I'm fighting from defeat. So I prayed some more, and I prayed some more, and I prayed some more. And you know what happened? Nothing. So Lisa and I get invited by Lynn Mink and his wife and chariots to go to North Carolina and do a ride with them in the mountains. So we hook our our Honda up and put it on trailer and haul it up to North Carolina to ride with the chariots up there. Well, I am really bothered how God is not using me at all. They're bothering me. And I've been praying about it. Even Mary Fran even said something about, to me about that before we left. And I'm like, <sighs> So I get up there, and we all are standing around outside praying over our motorcycles and over the week. And Lynn Mink takes off in tongues. Shandai, Shandai, tie my bow tie. <laughs> and then he hollers and said, Pastor Morgan, you have the interpretation. And I went, I don't. <laughs> that is, you're, that's embarrassing. 
I don't have the interpretation. And I, I close my eyes, and I, you know, you have to pray fast. This is so unfair. Why would you allow him to do this to me right there and embarrass all of you? That's that's the thing I've been talking to you about. I was upset at God and Lynn. And I couldn't believe that God did that to me. And so in faith, what else am I going to do? Lifted my hands and started talking and the interpretation came out. I was shocked. I'm like, that was cool. <laughs> and so I, and then I bowed my head and I said, God, don't do it again. <laughs> don't ever tell God what to not do and not do. And we went out for pizza. Everybody's on diet. What do you eat? Pizza. So we're all eating pizza. And in order for me not to be used by God like that again, I got a table in the back of the restaurant. You know, the further you get from the head, the less likely he is to call you out and embarrass you. Y'all know the story. Let's pray over our pizza in the name of Jesus. And he prays over the food. And then he comes out, shandai, shandai, tie my bow tie. And he said, Pastor Morgan, the Lord told me you have this one also. And I went, I do. I do not. I do not. I do not. Oh, why are you doing this to me? And I thought, okay, just try it one more time. Lifted up my hands and Shondi, the interpretation came out. Oh, Lord of God, thank you, Jesus. And he did it again. Three times in two days. And at the end of that, I said, Lord, what are you doing? He said, I never took it from you. You stopped using it. Thank you. You see, with a church today is sitting around, you're full of God. You are full of God. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in this world. I lay hands on the sick. and they re- You know why they don't recover? Because you ain't found no sick people and just walk up and just start. What if they don't get it? What if they do? God ain't moving till you move. And we're still talking about next year. Next year is your best year. Because starting today, you're going to quit waiting on God and you're going to acknowledge who you are. You're going to stand up and go, this is who I am. I'm righteous. I am complete. I am blessed. Everything I put my hand to shall prosper. I don't care if you don't feel like it. God is not moving until you step out and decide you're going to move. I'm not done yet. I got another story. Man came in the door one night and he um, had been seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And uh, I walked back in the back after the end of a Wednesday night service, and he looked at me and he said, Pastor Morgan, I have a question for you. 
why hasn't God filled me with the Holy Ghost? And my first reaction was, I don't know why God hadn't filled you with the Holy Ghost. What kind of a dumb question is that? You know, go talk to God about why he hasn't filled you with the Holy Ghost. And he kind of aggravated me a little bit, and I walked off, and, and I bowed my head when I walked away, and I went, why hadn't you filled him with the Holy Ghost? <laughs> and the Lord showed me. And I turned to him, and I walked back up to him, and I said, let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked God to fill you with the Holy Ghost? He goes, hundreds of times. I said, did he? He went, no. I said, so he lied. He said, I did not say that. I said, yes, you did. He said, I did not call God a liar. I said, you most certainly did. He said, no, no. I want to know why he hasn't filled me with the Spirit. I said, according to Luke 11, have you asked him? Yes. He said, if you ask me, I will give you the Holy Ghost. Didn't he say that? Did he say that? He said, yes, he did. I said, did he? He went, no. I said, so he lied. He said, I didn't say that. I said, yes, you did. Now, he was a stubborn person. And we went down this road for five minutes. And I'm not getting off. You just called God. And then finally he stopped and he realized that I'm on a rant and I ain't moving. He said, what do I do? I said, start talking in tongues. He said, I can't. And I said, won't. He said, I can't. I said, won't. He said, I can't. And I said, won't. He said, what, what, what do you want me to do? I said, start talking in tongues. He said, I can't talk in tongues. I said, you can. He filled you. You can. And finally, he just looks at me real stupid. And he gets real spiritual. Close his eyes. This is what happened. Close your eyes. Lift your hands. You have to look spiritual. You want to get real spiritual, bow him. I mean, the reason you bow your head is God lives in you. Never mind. That's another sermon. And then he goes, So I'm going to ask you a question. Who was God? Was he waiting on God or was God waiting on him? Okay, okay. This coming up year, the church in America has a passive faith. Our number one MO is, I'm waiting on the Lord. If you are, you're backing up. Next year will be as bad as this one. You're walking around wall to wall God. Come over here and preach. I mean, that's just like... Say greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. Now, I don't know how many of y'all are super spiritual when you pray in the spirit. Sometimes when I pray in the spirit, it's real dry. And I don't feel very spiritual at all. I mean, I don't know. I, I wasn't talking to you. I was just come over here. <laughs> now, I'm not going to talk to Megan. She feels she's spiritual all the time. I mean, this girl just, she gets out of bed with 220, man. She wakes up in the morning at 220. 
Has anybody in here ever started your prayer as though, and you felt God ain't here, and he ain't listening, and he just don't care? Pray anyway. Why do you think it's called build yourself up? Because you down. What do you think down feels like? Shandai, Shandai, tie my bow tie. Let's talk about worship a minute. Did you know that sometimes when they start, I don't feel close to God? I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. I wonder what's, what I'm going to have for breakfast when we leave here. Be quiet. You're supposed to be worshiping God. Okay. I'm trying to make a point. They overcame the devil. You are an overcomer. You need to start overcoming. You need to make up your mind right now. I am not going to tolerate lack, sickness, the devil, apathy in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. I'm preaching better than y'all amen. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to walk in the spirit. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. Glory be to God. Now, get, get your Bible out and start finding scriptures that tell you who you are. When you feel rejected, there's a scripture. I've been accepted in the beloved. The feelings will leave when you start saying, I'm accepted. The feelings that God doesn't care about you. Now, don't get mad at me for what I'm about to say. Some of y'all sit around here and you look like you have been sucking lemons. Well, I would be too. How do you overcome that? Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Forget it. Once you open up your Bible, and I mean open it up, greater is he that is inside of me than every devil in hell. If God is for me, who could be against me? If God is on my side, I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. And I'm going to tell you all those secrets. The first five minutes of talking like that, you're going to feel like a thousand miles of unpaved road. But I mean, the minute you pick up this book and you get into it, I got, I got another scripture too. I'm going, to, I'm going to read. And then we're going to have communion. I'm just getting cranked up here good. We all with an unveiled face Behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are transformed into the same image. 
The more of this book you put in your mouth, the more you're going to look, walk, talk, and act exactly like your elder brother. That's good preaching. It doesn't happen until you pick it up and go, well, it says over there, I'm complete. I can show you a scripture in Hebrews where it says I'm perfect. It says sin has no dominion over me. Sin has no dominion over me. You say, what do you say when you're being tempted? I quote the Bible to the devil. Sin has no dominion over me. I told you I only had one more. I told a lie. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing in you in Christ. When does it become real to you? When you say so. I've been trying to teach you how to read the Bible and why we read the Bible. and This is how you do it. I have scriptures that are yellow and blue and these are scriptures that I found that talk about me. Robert, I started saying them. When I was a loser, I said them. When I was broke, I said them. When I was defeated, I said them. And I came out of it. We're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you. We are going to see a move of God in the last days. But what's going to happen is this. He's going to stir his church up. And you're going to wake up to who you are. And you're going to stand up and start doing what he told you to do. Every one of us go through times in our life where we do things we're afraid. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, there was a boy walked in the apartment complex manager's office and the Lord said, lay your hands on him. I'm filling with the Holy Ghost. And I went, no. And he said, lay your hands on him. I'm filling with the Holy Ghost. I went, no. I went home that night. I never obeyed God. I was afraid it wouldn't happen. I went home at night. I couldn't sleep. Next day, I saw the boy again. I walked up and I went, well, if I make an idiot out of myself, I do it. Just make an idiot. And I just walked up and read the scripture and I touched him and he started talking in tongues and I went, ha, it worked. And I've been doing it ever since. God is going to take you places and do things with you this year. And he's going to get you out of your comfort zone. And he's going to start operating through you just like he did Jesus. The world is waiting on a move of God. You're it. You're it. You are a move of God. Justin was on the bus in, in, in Israel. And one of the Baptist preachers walked up and said, your son has, has given me my hope for this generation back. He is a fireball. Justin didn't know they were Baptists. He stood up and said, there's sick people on this bus and I'm going to lay hands on you. 
I didn't tell Justin. They're Baptist. <laughs> Justin starts going down the aisles of a bunch of Baptist preachers and laying hands on them and God starts healing them. Amen. Sometimes maybe you just need to quit telling people who the Baptists are. Just leave them alone. Let God deal with it. Let God heal the Baptist. The reason you don't see more is you're not doing. That's going to change this year. Anyway, y'all guys come on forward. Say amen. amen. Say this with me. This, this year, 2024 is my best year. I will be used by God more than I've ever been used. I will step out more. I will meditate on who I am until it becomes real to me. Yeah. And the more you, the more you meditate on the Word of God, and the more the Bible becomes real to you. The more truths become, the more of who you are comes out of that Bible. You want to come up here and take this? Did y'all enjoy that? I preached this this morning for this reason. The, the church is too passive. There's too many people sitting around waiting on something to happen. I'm going to say something. You become a move of God. I am a move of God. If God ain't moving, well, then I just move until he moves. I confess until he moves. I pray until he moves. Boy, that's good preaching. Some of you guys in here right now, you're just sitting around waiting on the Lord and nothing's happened. I'm going to tell you something. You start moving, you'll see him move. He'll get all over you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on. Praise the Lord. Come on. Praise the Lord. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning. We give you praise. We give you glory. You know, I wanted to say this. Always remember this. The grace of God is a perfect gift. You don't earn it. But let me say this. The grace of God enables you to live free from sin. The grace of God, say that, the grace of God empowers me to live free from sin, to live free from sickness. The grace of God is a perfect gift. I do not use it as a license to sin. I cannot stay in bed with the devil and expect to rebuke him. Sin shall have no dominion over me. And when Jesus, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four, 24, had given thanks, that's the first thing you do when you pray. Lord, I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the blood. Even he gave thanks to his father. And when Jesus, uh, are we up there? Nope. First, that's okay. I'll just quote it. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. 24, when Jesus had given thanks, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. 
if Jesus's physical body was broken for you, yours does not have to be broken. You receive the broken body of the Lord Jesus. He took your place. He filled your space. He gave you everything, emptied himself of himself and put it in you. Say, Jesus, thank you for the broken body of you that was done for me. I thank you that you bore my pain. You took my infirmities and by your bruises that were taken because of my sin, I was healed according to Isaiah 53. And so I receive this now in Jesus name. Thank you for the broken body. Verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant, my blood. This do as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me as you, next 26, please. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Everyone hold up the cup. Say, Jesus thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood of the cross. I thank you that you took my sin. You did for me what I could not do for myself. I accept this blood sacrifice. I accept this forgiveness of sin. I accept you taking my place. Jesus, I accept you not just as Savior, but I accept you as Lord. Thank you for the blood. And I remember you in this. If you said that for the first time today, welcome to the family of God. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. He just poured his righteousness in you. You can't earn it, but you can receive it by faith. This morning, we hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.